I want to take a quick second and talk about how you can support our show. I believe this is the most honest way that I can connect with you, the listener, and put it in front of everyone. You can support our show for as little as 99 cents a month. We release four podcasts a month, all at an average length of about an hour. That means you are supporting us at just 25 cents an hour. That's that's cheaper than the dollar menu. I think it's safe to say that we provide more value than that. And if you learn anything from our content, please consider becoming a supporter today with the link in the description of any episode or on the website at feedingcuriosity.net. And with that, thanks for listening and please enjoy the show. Welcome to Feeding Curiosity. Wait a second. Welcome to Feeding Curiosity. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Audible. Audible is one of those things that I use. If I'm not listening to a podcast, I'm listening to an audiobook. And if it wasn't for podcasts like this one, I would never have been an Audible subscriber. And so with this podcast, you guys are going to get a free month trial and a free book of your choosing if you use our code audibletrial.com slash feedingcuriosity in the link in the description below. And before we get started, I want to give you guys some books to get you started. First off, I'm feeling in a sci-fi mood, so obviously I'm going to recommend Andy Weir's the Martian. It's an amazing book. If you're anything like an engineer and you like uh, factful science when written in sci-fi, it's a great book to start. Also, he was written Artemis as well. Also a great book. That one is about living on the moon. Martian, you probably know if you've watched the movie with Matt Damon. I hope I didn't get that wrong. Anyways, other than that, we're going to go with a fantasy book too. We're going to talk about the uh, first Blade Trilogy, which is written by Joe Abercrombie, and it is an amazing series. It's kind of like a hidden gem. It's not even that old, and he just has this amazing, well-crafted story, and I really hope you guys go check those out. And with that, go to audibletrial.com slash feedingcuriosity to redeem your free book and one-month trial today. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Feeding Curiosity. In this podcast, we strive to have conversations with interesting people and basically cover their story. What, is the, what made them them? Where were they were and what were the trials and tribulations that they have gone through? And then what do they use to navigate the world, basically? And what, what have they gained through their experience of being, you know, spending their time on Earth? And in today's guest, we have Eric Carrera. And Eric Carrera is one of my oldest friends. We've known each other since we were in grade school. And through all of it, we've now we're 25 years old and we've just had this bond that's basically family. You know, we, we're, we're basically brothers. And he's one of the people that I was trying to, like, in this process, as I get into in the actual episode here, we, I try to get all of the people on and have a question ready. And so the question around him was, how do how are you yourself, basically, like being unashamedly you? And for him, he always comes off of that, like, happy-go-lucky, do it yourself, do whatever you want to do, right? He doesn't worry about any of the things that, you know, the average person worries about. And in, in the sense where they're like, am I being, you know, careful about who I am right now? Or am I overstepping? Like, he he always is, is just, you know, energetic and just in-your-face kind of. And, and that's, for me really interesting because I'm not like that in my own way, right? I have to be comfortable in a situation and I have to, you know, feel around and get used to situations where he can just run into the situation and just be that person. And 
yeah, I think that's a great way to just kind of sum up who Eric Herrera is. And, you know, and he's going to really get into detail of who he is himself. And by getting in a podcast format, I was able to get him to open up in different ways that I hadn't seen before, which is amazing, right? As a friend I've had for the last 10 years at least, uh, and then to have him open up in different ways because of this, it's pretty great. So without further ado, give it up from one of my best friends, Eric Herrera. Bam. And hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Feeding Curiosity. I'm joined by one of my oldest friends, Eric Herrera. So, what Eric. What's up? What is up? Tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, what's your deal? Oh, you know, just a normal guy. Grew up in the <laughs> city, moved to the burbs. Got some rad friends about me. And we've been a squad for almost 12 years now. Mm-hmm. 12, 13 years. So the group of us that's from... Elementary school is about 17 years, and then there's the secondary group that was formed basically an accident in junior high-ish, roughly, and then we kind of like all reformed again back in in high school. So I wanted to bring you on the podcast, like I, you know, we can talk about how I got you on here finally, because I know know you were a little bit intimidated for the most part being on the podcast because we kind of talk a lot of high intellectual things a lot of yeah yeah stuff that I don't really you know like I'm very interested about but I really like I don't have much to say about it right yeah you're not reading books all the time or whatever like just thinking about things like that all the time and I get it like it's not everyone's thing and so for me, like feeding curiosity isn't about isn't about those like highbrow intellectual things all the time. I, I've always wanted like everyone has a story to tell, and like you're one of those people for me. Like you know, coming from just like my personality and things like that, I, you know, I'm kind of shy or like more <clears throat> laid back. Like I'm not like always like in your face and like super energetic and like outgoing. Yeah. You know, kind of like a party person almost, or like the energy of not the room. as wild. Oh, like as yeah, I mean. the energy of the room. And so for me, I was like trying to think like. Part of this process for me is, like, trying to think of, like, what is that thing that person can talk about forever, right? Or, like, what is about that person that can get them talking or get them comfortable in some way? Or a question that they would find interesting in their own right. And then, like, you know, assuming that there's at least one person in the world that's just like that, they're going to be like, oh, fuck yeah, that's me, right? And so for you, my question was, like, how, how do you, like, operate in a way that you don't give a fuck about anyone else's opinion, basically. Like, you can walk into a room and you're like, ah, we're like yelling yeah. or being just goofy you or whatever. Like, it's not even just goofy. It's just fun or just no, unashamedly I, yourself as I texted you. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, I would definitely classify myself as goofy. Um, I actually, uh, I picked this tone about me up as a, as a child because, um, you know, I have psoriasis. It's mm-hmm. a skin disorder or a skin condition. Um, but um, as a kid, it was all over my body, and oh, I was wow. like, yeah, I was super, super uh, self-conscious about it. Mm-hmm. And then um, I was like, I had a breakdown as a child, and I was like crying in my room and stuff, and my brother actually came up to me, and he like talked me out of it. And uh, the one thing that he said, it still resonates to me to this day, he told me that um, that I'm basically, I'm on this earth to live my life, mm-hmm. and no one else's. Right. So if anybody's opinion is going to matter, it's only going to be mine and my family's because they're there for me more than anybody else's. Yeah. And, you know, I guess a more up-to-date saying would be, you know, if I don't got me, who else does? Right, yeah. You know? So I I just kind of took that and I went with it. And I've always been a goofy kid. I've always been the the loud mouth, the clown clown, (laughs) the class clown, stuff like that. Um, but like, yeah, just like I, 
when I'm like when I meet new people, it's it's just always it's not like how can I get along with this guy or girl? It's just like I'm me. So if like if they don't like me for who I am, then mm-hmm. I may or may not be friends with this guy. Right. And, and there are some people that I just don't click with, but we maybe work together well. Or we share one common interest, like video games, right? Or movies, or something like that. Um, but like, yeah, it's I, I, I'm just you know I'm just me, and and if you really can't handle that, then there's probably no room in, in my life for you. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's definitely a thing too. Like I don't know, because part of me, you know, just looking at our group of friends in general, is we've always <laughs> kind of had this like kind of like we never really fit into anything, right? We've always been, like, a group of misfits in some way, right? And so whenever I, like, think about, like, think back of, like, you know, half of the shit crazy things we did while in high school or whatever, like, it's always something ridiculous that you did, right? In some way. It's always, like... I'm definitely correlated to every crazy story. Right, there's always, like, something, like, remember when he did this thing or that thing or just kind of, like, you know, it was... It's more of, like, you no matter where we went, and you were there it was like always going to be like spontaneous and fun in any way like when we went to Wrigleyville like a couple of years ago when we got growlers and we were drinking it oh, yeah, we, and we got growlers record. before and then on the roof we're like we're not going to spend money we got cups of water and decided to fill the growlers in the backpack with, yeah. <laughs> with beer instead of paying eight bucks for a beer <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> got drunk for free-ish hey yeah you know I mean, we bought it we're going to drink it might as well Save money now, right? Like, <laughs> instead of down the road, you know. And I think, and especially in today's world where we're getting into this, like, so kind of bringing back to the more, you know, bookish side of things, where people are starting to censor themselves more and like they have to like, walk in eggshells and yeah. all that kind of stuff. PC they, and all, right? That. Yeah, whether you're getting worried about how other people view you, and I think having the viewpoint of fuck other people is like, you know, to put it unpoli- as unpolitical as possible, <laughs> yeah. is a really good viewpoint to have because. Going forward, people's like the magnifying glass, and like because everyone has a social media account and all that shit. Like you're gonna have this point where you're gonna like someone's not gonna like you. Period. Right? Like, Absolutely. And, like no, out of the many yeah. many people that are gonna find you on the internet or meet you in life in any circumstance, there's gonna be a chance that at least one of the pe- those people is not gonna like you. Right? Yep. You know, <laughs> it's just a percentage, right? So I just think you know if you could expand on like just like. Not being bogged down by like the other people's opinions in that way, right? So exactly how you put it, like it, you know, you you meet a million people in your lifetime. Half of those people are not going to like you, right? My way of thinking it is that you know, even if they don't like me, I'm still going to be me because there's no there's no way in hell that anybody's ever going to change me. Yeah, you know, like I'm I'm me, and like I said, my brother told me to live my life, mm-hmm. so that's what I'm doing. And in my, in my Shout honest out to opinion, John, by the way, yeah, that's my brother John. John. <laughs> um, but in in my honest opinion, I and it might seem a little selfish to hear it, but I really don't give a fuck about how people think about me right. because they're not they're not me. Right. You know, like I'm I'm doing my own things. I I did a bunch of stuff as a kid, and I did I did some stuff as an adult. You know, all of which have been good and bad, mm-hmm. led me to the point in my life now where I'm. I have probably less than five regrets in my life. I think that's part of. It's a huge part of just functioning properly, and, and you know, 
I think part of it too is just being mindful of your own situation, right? You know, knowing what you can do and what you what you, what you do and do not have control over. Right? Absolutely. You know, and most of the time we don't have control over many of the aspects in our own life. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> unless it's like you know showing up to the gym or doing whatever. Like, yeah, you know, those things that you have control over. But like most of these other things, it's kind of like out of your control. Um, and just out of like curiosity for me is, so is there anything like right now that you're trying to actually work on? Like something that like, what is like your thing? Like that you kind of just think about, like that kind of holds your interest. Like even if it's just, you know, something simple. Um, I've always, always been a fan of welding. Oh really? And, and I've always wanted to get into it. And I, I know it's super easy to just like go to a trade school and stuff, but you know, I'm, I'm one of those people that I would rather I'd rather learn with my hands and absolutely, you know, like in skills. Like I'd rather just do it and then figure out how to do it better mm-hmm. based off my my own my own actions and stuff. Um, but yeah, I've I've always always wanted to get into welding, and uh, I actually we switched out the. Uh, I work for Top Golf for anybody who doesn't know, um, and we have this huge fifty five gallon drum mm-hmm. that we blow out all the targets with, and they oh, hold, wow. they hold all all the golf balls. Well, we just switched a, a new barrel in, and we got a new liner and everything, all that stuff. So the old barrel's just sitting in the shop, and I, I walk up to my boss, and I said, hey, what are we doing with that? Is that scrap? Are we saving it for something? And he goes, if you want it, you could take it. I'm like, yeah, sure, I'm going to take it. He goes, what are you going to do with it? I'm like, I'm, well, you know, I've seen some YouTube videos. I'm thinking about turning it into a little grill. So <laughs> what, I, what I plan to do nice. is I plan to cut, like, a quarter off from the top yeah and then have that as like you know the opening yeah. section and then have the three quarters deep for grilling turn into a barrel grill basically yeah right? just <laughs> get some rebar fucking weld some weld some legs on it it's got two holes that we use to put the vacuum and yeah. some mounts on it but that can be easily welded with yeah, just you fucking sheet metal that. or whatever um but actually one of them is on like the part where i want it to be the grill at so right. i was thinking that i could have like a little gate yeah. now for the charcoals to to blow through but uh, yeah, that's that's uh, I got it in my in the backyard of my house right now. I'm actually planning. I've been hitting up all my welding friends, seeing that's if they legit. got like personal gear. <laughs> right. Yeah. That I could just try it, you know. And that, I, t- honestly, to me, that kind of like personifies the whole thing um, for me, like because you know, like you said, you don't have any like formal training on it, but like you can do it, right? All you gotta do is talk to people you know, and you already work in somewhat of a trade like perf- like field yeah. where you're doing, you know maintenance for many different types of equipment so you're going to have exposure to a welder in any way or at some point mm-hmm. rather so you know people who can help you like show you the ropes right and, you yeah. know like i think think more people need to view their life as an experiment in skill building like everything you do is a skill and in, in any like for me at least that's the way i try to view the world is anything you do is a skill like right now recording this podcast and talking and having conversations and asking questions those are all micro skills wrapped up together, you Absolutely. know. Absolutely, and I try I completely to completely agree. I try to say it too, like when I record my videos for YouTube or something. I'm like, you know, I'm like, today I moved my camera, or today I like, you know, moved the microphone. Like, you know, I'm as I'm recording this right now, I'm like thinking about, does the sound sound good? Like in the back <laughs> of my head, or like, am I talking loud enough? It's like, you know, it's a never ending like quest to improve even you know just a little bit. Just you the know? slightest bit. That's all. That's all you're looking for. <laughs> and, and I don't know, like. I don't know. It just feels like to me that people like they get stuck in the like you can probably talk about this for days, but they get stuck in like you need to go to school to learn X. Right? I actually was just about <laughs> to touch on that. Yeah. yeah, I had a feeling I felt like it. So go ahead and explain what you think about school, because I know we've kind of talked about this before and I totally don't disrespect it or anything. And if they think it's 
I mean, I have a lot of heartfelt feelings for school and I'm a little disenfranchised, even though I'm finishing my degree, <laughs> just kind of so close that I might as well just finish at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, for me, it's always been the major fact is that, like, I, I actually I do learn a lot better with just doing it by mm-hmm. myself with my own hands or just reading the book by myself. Like, you know, those you have those teachers that just put up a, a worksheet and, you know, they write a couple stuff on the board, uh, main points that you need to know. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't learn like that. I, right. I need to like if I if I wanted to, if I wanted to do good in school, then I actually would have read the textbooks. Right. You know what yeah. I'm saying? <laughs> but I didn't still graduated high school, which I'm completely glad about. But college for me was an absolute no go. Right. Because I knew myself at the time and being a 19 year old, you know me, I was the crazy guy right. every <laughs> good, going to every party on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, <laughs> Thursday, Friday. I remember those days, you know, and then hanging out with you guys Saturday and Sunday for a couple of hours mm-hmm. to go to another party. Right. Yeah. But um, it's I, I knew for me that college would have would have just been a huge debt hole. Because I mean, I, I would have just been not going to class. Right. Maybe studying a little bit, cheating on the parties. tests. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just living that life. Mm-hmm. And um, but now, I mean, I still I think I can do college now. Mm-hmm. With uh, with a with the better mindset that I have, right? Yeah, I think a lot of it too is just age. I think you just absolutely I, I age talk, was a huge thing. I, I talked to like a lot of the people, like you know, with, with our other friends, like Joe and stuff like that, who who went away with school or or to the military or whatever, and then come back, you know, and kind of have like the a view of the world, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And I just think to myself, I'm like, how the hell does someone at 18 know what the heck, you know, pick? You know, a thing from a list of like a hundred different degrees or whatever it is. It's and say, frightening. I want to do that one thing for at least the next four years. But then on top of that, after I finish in four years, that's the next 20 years of my life. What? That was frightening <laughs> to me. That was honestly frightening. That was the main reason why I did not go to college. Like I could talk about how I wanted to party and do, do all this, live that life. But honestly, that's a huge commitment. Absolutely. Huge commitment. And for me, it was just, I was not about that life. Mm -hmm. I I could not sit there and hit the books for four years while I'm spending money on these books. You know what I'm saying? Like, it just, uh, oh, no. (laughs) Just bad juju. I I also want to say, too, that like the the, having the foresight for your own mentality to say school wasn't for me, even at 19, that's huge. Because you you skipped out a lot of pain in the form of, of... huge debt bills mm-hmm. you know unless you went to a community college where you could have paid for it pretty easily but right. still like you, you could have gone to you know a, a, a four year university and spending you know 10 plus grand a, a semester mm-hmm. and then you say oh man maybe after a year I don't care like I don't want this anymore or like two years you know and you're like negative 20 in the in the hole at the age of 21 mm-hmm. and you're like now I gotta figure about my life that just sets you back so much at like your most vulnerable state you know, as a person just entering the real world, like mm-hmm. that's not a great feeling. And that's how you end up flipping burgers for the rest of your life or yeah. something like that. Yeah, because you, you need to pay off the college, but right. then you have this degree that you can't work in because there's no jobs in that field. Or you didn't apparently. finish because you didn't know what the heck you actually wanted to do. Like, exactly. I don't know. It's just to me, having students 
you know, people who barely know what the real world is like. And, you know, even I feel weird saying that as a 25-year-old, right? Because, <laughs> uh, honestly, when I think about what I want to do for school, you know, I get that question now that I'm almost done. People are, like, at work, you know, who are professionals. They're always telling me, they're like, so what do you want to do now? You want to go back to get that MBA? You know, you'll be the engineer with the MBA, and you'll get to become a manager at some yeah, point. And I'm what's like, the next step? Yeah, actually, there's, now there's the next step coming up. And I'm just like, I haven't even finished yet, and I want to just pay off my debt. Like, <laughs> Really, maybe just take a break, like, yeah. <laughs> or just like I'm like I don't want to just be that guy that sits behind a desk. Like me and you share a common trend where I love like the reason I have the degree I do. So like I say engineer, but I, I technically it's a uh, electronics engineering technology. So the way the best way I can explain it is it's the the midway point between electrician and engineer. So I can I can okay. I can equal parts design and build. So and <laughs> yeah, the build part is is what is what got me. Yeah, like and especially in towers, because when I when I joined, obviously I was nineteen years right. old, and the only training that I got was how to climb. Okay, they didn't give me, and I was working on sprint technology. They didn't give me any blueprints. Oh wow, nothing. They just gave me some antennas, some amplifying radios, <laughs> and said, "Hey, you got to install that six hundred feet up." <laughs> like, You're like, okay, I guess. Like, okay, so. <laughs> We build this shit and like obviously they come with like uh, little put put together blueprints, right? Yeah, and um, stuff like that. But still, like even plugging in the cables, like the coaxial to mm -hmm. hybrid cables, right, was completely a foreign concept, right? To me. And like to have it was about we we joined the market the the Midwest market with about twelve or sixteen guys. Okay, so, uh, about half of those were ground. Okay, so they just manage everything up from the bottom. Yeah, so. For me getting up there and not having shit knowledge mm -hmm. about where to plug in the coaxial and how to coaxial transitions to fiber, right, yeah. where to plug in the fiber, like, that shit was so foreign <clears throat> to me, but all the guys that we had, we all didn't know anything about right, it. Right, yeah. And this is, I mean, I joined with a bunch of grown-ass men. I'm a 19-year-old guy, kid, uh, air quotes, yeah. <laughs> but um, with a bunch of, like, 35 plus year olds right yeah you know so wow. i i had to <laughs> dude i had to stay in my lane you know i was not as rambunctious as i always was <laughs> i that's when i toned it down and said all right it's time it's to fucking time. learn yeah you know and uh yeah fucking almost like half a year later mm -hmm. you know i'm i was 22 when i was running my own crew so i mean that was a huge jump for me yeah it's huge so the first thing that comes to mind after you kind of talked about this, so someone out there probably heard like 600 feet and they're like, what the hell? Hold on. Um, <laughs> so I just wanted you to go back and explain like the the height thing and just like your, because I know you love to climb and you can read this. Absolutely. This is, we're going to open up a rabbit hole with this one. But <laughs> I would love for you to kind of explain that hobby I and mean, that kind of like intricacy of your, of your like, I guess mentality, because you're kind of, you're not. You're kind of an adrenaline junkie, but, like, you have... Oh, I would definitely classify like, myself yeah, like, as an adrenaline junkie. Like, you're able oh, to yeah. do certain things that most other people, you know... It, it's, I think it's really fitting of your personality, where you don't, you know, the not giving a fuck kind of thing, where it, that feeds into this, like, climbing part of it, too. It was the kind of job where, when I... Because I, for, like, the first half of the year, they didn't have me climb, because I was the 19-year-old kid... And uh, my construction manager was like, well, no, he, he just, my construction manager literally told me, like, he's like, listen, you don't know shit. Right. So I'm going to let you, I'm going to make you know everything before you get up there. Like I do because I don't want to lose anybody. To you. 
Right. <laughs> so when I got when I eventually started climbing, you know, I was I was so like one foot in front of the other, not stopping. Like, yeah. you know, like, I'm going to climb this tower. And they're like, you know, like, it's not a race. You don't have to get up there first. Like, take a breath. You know, like, you're going to you're gonna pass out. And I'm like, no, I'm good. Just flying up the towers. And um, I, I would always, it's funny, I would always make uh, every crew that I joined, I would literally tell them that I'm climbing first because I don't take breaks. Yeah. They're like, oh, well, oh, here comes this kid, you know, oh, he doesn't take breaks, oh, I, yeah. barely, I, I barely give him 100 feet before he goes, and then they see me climb up 450 <laughs> feet in one go, and they're like, fuck, and they're like 300 feet down on their first break, smoking a cigarette on a tower, I'm like, see, I'm up here smoking a cigarette, so <laughs> I'm ready to work after this cigarette, what are you doing, you start to climb, <laughs> you know, but um, it was a huge thing for me, uh, to actually humble myself in front of all these adults and, you know, like, just stay in my lane. And I, I literally focused on myself and my career. And I I had said to myself one day, I remember uh, I was meditating with a guy, um, my friend Mike Daler. He got me into a, a whole bunch of, like, spirituality and mm-hmm. crystals and stuff. Uh, we watched that whole YouTube series, uh, Spirit Science. Okay. We watched the whole thing like three times. Wow. Yeah, and we were like meditating. <laughs> he had his own um, Tibetan uh, singing bowl. Oh, wow, that's neat. Yeah, it was super dope, and we were meditating and playing it, and it was super dope. Um, but while I was meditating, I remember saying to myself that this is my school. Mm-hmm. You know, like right. this is what I came here to learn. And then at that point, um, so I started out working on sprint technology. And then maybe about a year and a half into it is when I started branching out right. into all the different technologies. And we would show up on site and, like, we're working on Sprint, but then, like, the T-Mobile reps come in because they have to, like, check on something. Maybe their cell so uh, uh, a radio went down. Yeah. They're just checking if it, you know, like, I basic, basic IT shit. You turn yeah. it on, turn it off, the, the radio works again. <laughs> um, but Did we, you reboot your computer? Exactly. <laughs> it's literally the same shit. And, um, but I got to the point where, you know, like, if I was on the ground or talking to these guys, I would ask them for MOPs, methods of procedures, mm-hmm. for their sites that I'm not even working on. And they would, they would be so intrigued that a young kid working for Sprint is asking for MOPs that... Literally, only the the crew leads are supposed to touch them. Because right. Yeah. It, it literally contains blueprints on the site. Yeah, it's proprietary. Space. I'm everything. Assuming. Yeah, it's it's very touch and go kind of thing. But um, I would ask them for MOPs. I would ask them for any emails that they can they they can send me to help out with the technology. You know, like even even that I wasn't in, even installing it. Right. I still wanted to know how to install it because this was my career. Yeah, you and just I know felt- that I'm not just going to focus only on mm-hmm. Sprint. So I was I was getting all these emails. I had fucking like thirty page MOPs, that, and they're like this long, like maybe oh, like man. three feet long of pages of paper. Flipping through like, them, like actual blueprint documents, right? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. They and that white, white the, and blue. <laughs> no, it was just normal paper. Oh, and okay. Stuff, yeah, but it was um, but yeah, I had all that in my hotel room, and it got to the point where instead of like coming home from a hard days of work, working like 12, 16 hours a day, and like playing video games, I would like stress myself out more or not stress myself but I would I would f- I would basically work right more yeah. you'd, you'd look over more stuff basically yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would be reading the T-Mobile blueprints I'd be reading the AT&T blueprints which AT&T they are uh, what is that word uh, I, I can't even think of it but they are like the most craziest like anal 
cell phone carrier ever. Like, dude, when you close out an AT&T site now, you have to do a live two-hour like video conference. Oh my god. On the cell phone tower saying, "Hey, this is where it's plugged in." And then they like, "Oh, okay. Let us read if that if that comes up." And they'll and Oh if, my god. Dude, they'll like turn on the site right then and there like and then if it doesn't work, guess what? You have to stay there until it works. Yeah, dude. They're crazy. <laughs> they're anal. <laughs> yeah, and and it but it it got to the point where I was I was reading on about like all the different carriers and stuff mm-hmm. and like um, even Metro PCS, which was, wow, really? I would yeah, never like, guess them. Yeah, four years ago, like, who would have thought yeah, Metro PCS would have blown up? You know, right? Yeah, I would never. But it was. I still, even to this day, I still think of them as like, eh. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think of them as like the the Boost Mobile, like the yeah, <laughs> like nobody has that shit. <laughs> but um, I, I I obtained that knowledge and I I forced fed it to myself because I knew that this was had to do with my career. Right. And I yeah. knew that this was eventually going to happen. Right. It's a really cool way of looking at it. And I think going from there is, is kind of like that's your mentality. And I think to see that evolution in you, like, you know, because you because you kind of put yourself through a, cru- a crucible in some ways because you got to move away and see the country like in the United States, at least in a couple states, mm-hmm. you know, for about I would say was it like nine months, roughly nine and six. I think it was. Uh, no, I was climbing for about oh, almost two and a half years. Yeah, I mean, like, in separate, but it was, like, separate times. There was, like, breaks in between. Oh, yeah, it was. It was separate. Yeah. yeah. I was just kind of, like, thinking of the separate breaks. There's yeah. two separate things, because it was, like, one was on, like, Midwestern area-ish. Yeah, and I would always come was, home for, yeah. uh, like, the two two or three months to run Christmas Right, yeah, time. exactly. You, you were kind of still cl- more local-ish when you were still in the Midwest. Yeah. But then you, when you moved down to uh, Florida, was it, for, yeah. for about a year, uh, that's when you kind of, like... You know, for me, I got to see kind of like this, you know, you're putting yourself in a situation where you're not, you know, stuck in the influence of this, the way we live here. Right. And I think even I'm kind of I kind of get stuck in that mentality in some ways, you know, and I wish I could break out of it. Right. Because like being able to travel and like see more of the world, because then you kind of it breaks the bubble of what it is like to live in a place that's sheltered. Right. It does. Like it, you could probably talk about this more than I can. Yeah. And I'm it, just talking about it from like an abstract point of view. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it definitely does shatter that bubble of reality that we have mm-hmm. that, you know, like uh, and we we've talked about this. Yeah. Plenty we of have times before. with our friends about like how people in Illinois like say Illinois sucks, but they, that's because they, they stay in Illinois. Yeah, exactly. You know, but um. Yeah, just even traveling. I, I've literally. I. I don't think I still haven't been to the to the West Coast. Oh yeah, you didn't come with us when we went to California. Yeah, the last no, I, I still summer. have not touched the West Coast. Um, but as far as uh, the Midwest, I've touched on at least ten states. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, do you have any? Seeing, like, can you give your highlight reel of any of any things like you saw or did or just places in general? Yeah, I. Um, when I was in, where was it? Uh, not Iowa. It was in Idaho. No, no, no. Um, it was North Dakota. Yeah, Fargo, North Dakota. Um, I got to experience my first bit of real life racism. I went into a tattoo shop to get a tattoo, and I was wearing a long sleeve, and mm-hmm. all my tattoos are on my torso. Um, so I go to this guy and I said, hey, I wanted to get like a gas mask on my hand so that when I cover my face, you know, it looks like a gas mask, mm-hmm. which I still want to get. That's still a great idea that I have. <laughs> um, but he he like looked me up and down. And I mean, I'm I'm definitely not racist right. for anybody listening. But this tattoo shop was 
filled with white people. I guess you should explain your demographic background. So, you, uh, yeah, and so, kind of like what you physically look like. Just yeah, so. yeah. So I'm uh, at this point. I was six feet tall. Uh, very, very dark skinned because I was getting a oh, lot yeah, of sun. Oh yeah, you're outside all the time. I was getting a lot of sun. Very, very dark skin and um, like just a shorter haircut. And okay, like, so it wasn't as crazy curly as it is right now. No, 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 it definitely <laughs> wasn't. I kept it. I actually shaved my head while I was. Oh yeah, because you're wearing helmets yeah, all the time. Yeah, the hard hat was way <laughs> too bad. Like, and it's like, dude, especially when it got hot, like it's just a f- inferno up there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but also the the way I dress kind of comes off as ghetto because I like to wear baggy stuff. I don't like to wear fitted clothes. Right. You know? Yeah. Like, I like to have loose. Fit you don't like clothes. Cl- you don't like clean press clothes as much. Yeah. <laughs> you know. You know. I just like baggy and loose fit stuff. So I go into this tattoo shop and um, I tell the guy that I want the gas mask on my face and he just like looks me up and down and he's like, yeah, I wouldn't do that. But, uh, you know, just because it's your first tattoo, you're, you know, you're probably don't even have a career yet. And this is literally what he's telling me. He's like, you do, probably don't he's have a career yet. He's giving you life advice as a tattoo yeah, like, artist. Giving, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, and I'm sitting there and mind you, I'm with uh, two other uh, people of color. They were my, uh, my Haitian friends that I climbed with and um, they were a little bit older than me I'd say like 25 26 ish mm-hmm. and um, so like they're looking us up and down and they just see three colored people in their in their shop and they're just like oh we wouldn't do that because it's your first tattoo and you know it's probably going to be really hard to find a job and uh, this and that and I'm like oh okay um, well I do have tattoos on my torso just to let you know um, so it's not my first tattoo and then blah 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 like I ran them through the steps and I was I was being polite I wasn't being a dick and uh, he literally was just shooting every idea that I had down. And he was, and then it got to the point where I was like, okay, well, are you just going to refuse my service? Right, yeah. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to have to refuse service. So I literally pointed at every tattoo artist. I was like, are you going to do my tattoo? Like, can I'll pay you double. Can you do my tattoo? Because I was making very Right, money. yeah, you're still making 60 hours a week. And I was right. like, I'll, I'll pay you double. Can you do it? He's like, nah, man, I'm going to refuse service. And I'm like, Wow. All you guys, and then I like I walked out the tattoo shop, and I was as I was backing out the door, I lifted up my shirt, and I was like, just so you know, this isn't my first tattoo, and blah right, blah yeah. blah. And I was like, and just so you also know, like I climbed cell phone towers around here, so you're welcome for your cell phone service. Number one, number two, yeah. I get paid like X amount of dollars more than right, you, yeah. so like you're garbage to me. <laughs> and then like and then like they like all like had this blank stare at me as I'm like backing out the door with. Middle yeah. fingers up, you know, like, <laughs> as as you would say, because you don't care. About yeah, because I don't give a fuck, dude. And like that was that. Honestly, it was eye opening, because I never ever thought in my life that I would have to experience racism, especially how far we've come as a society. Right. Yeah. I mean, I would say around here too, especially is like we really. I mean, even us as a friends group, we've always had like this kind of, you know, viewpoint of the world where. People are just people, right? We like we've had every single kind of racial group in our friend group at yeah. least at one point or another, you know. And I just don't understand. Like part of me just doesn't understand like why that's even a thing. You know, it's just such an archaic thing when, you, you know, we all bleed red, right? Yeah, no, it, <laughs> it was a huge eye opener. I I went to my hotel room and I remember like, <laughs> I like turned on the game and right. like I I was like, oh shit, that was racist. Yeah, I did like, like a hit you was, until after he was the fact. completely racist. Like they literally all denied me service because they saw a brown guy and like two Haitians and like the Haitians obviously had dreaded hair. Right. Yeah. Know, they had the goatees and everything. And um, yeah, I was like, wow, that was that was that's what racism feels like. 
wow. And I was like, that's, I've never felt that way yeah, in my life like, before. So like, I just felt like shut, it just shut me down for like five minutes. I was like, that's what racism is. Huh. Yeah. You just had to like sit there and mull it over. Yeah, right? just to, you, hmm. know, you know what I think would be helpful for people is you'd be like, here's this group of people, right? And like, here's the food they make. You know, you give them the best dishes that they make. <laughs> yes. And then you'd immediately convert those people because, no, who can pass up good freaking food? Dude. Me and, I mean, <laughs> me and John I'm, were literally talking I'm yesterday. I'm in Puerto Rico. <laughs> right. They're Puerto Rican. Tacos, dude. Like, who doesn't fucking love tacos? I know. Taco <laughs> Tuesday is literally like a global hashtag. <laughs> it's a thing now. Like, <laughs> like for real. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I don't know why I just thought of this right now. Maybe it's the beer that's getting to me a little bit. But, like, <laughs> you know, when you think about just, like, how ridiculous it is, it's like part of what makes the humanity and cultures, like, a, a thing is like what the like food can bring people together, right? Like absolutely. Like if, if you had everyone eating the same food all across the world, it would be so boring. No one would want to travel. No one would want to do like you know half of it is experiencing what other people do in other parts of the world. Even if you go in the United States at somewhere, right? Like that's half the fun. And like I don't know. Like I've been having like this serious case of wanderlust lately. Like obviously you know like I want to go to Germany. Obviously mm. with my name, you know Eric and yep. stuff like that. I want to go to Germany once I finish school. And then, like, you know, I just think about, like, the new way of traveling for me is kind of thinking of Airbnb. I don't know if you've used, have, like, had the ability to use I, it all that much. I use that all the time. I bet. When so, I was climbing, yeah. <laughs> so, like, Airbnb is amazing, right? So you, you basically get the experience of, like, living in, like, a home while mm-hmm. you're staying wherever. And we used it when we went to California, which you missed out on, unfortunately, but we'll have to plan another one. And Absolutely. So what I want to do is basically be able to travel to cities around the United States, you know, pick, pick a place on the map. And then instead of going to some overpriced hotel, you pick, you find an Airbnb home close to where you want to stay and then use that as like an experimental way of like living in a city for a short amount of time. Because then you get, you get the two different added benefits. One, you get to live in that city and pretend like you live there. Mm-hmm. You get to buy your own food so you don't just spend overpriced amounts. Like you can still live like if you're eating healthy or something like yeah, that. Yeah. But then you also get the added benefit of being in like a neighborhood where you can then ask local people and be like, hey, can you put, I'm like staying in town. Like, I don't know why this is like part of my thing because I'm totally not like this well, <laughs> on no. the average. But it, like, dude, it, it's I, I'll, I'll tell you right now when I was when I started Airbnb when I was climbing, I was in North Dakota mm-hmm. and um, we did it in uh by the way, the tattoo shop story was not in Fargo. I just remember, remembered that. I just worked in Fargo for, like, almost almost a year. Oh, wow. But, um, yeah, it was a lot of cell phone sites. <laughs> but, um, so, anyway, um, this was probably, like, the later end of my tower climbing career. Mm-hmm. And um, the first time I Airbnb'd was in Fargo, North Dakota, and it's a college town. And I, I made it an emphasis to mm-hmm. actually integrate with... You know, like my little block, I would say. Yeah. The community, because it was like a... I lived like maybe about a mile away from like the grocery store and stuff. Okay, so you're like down the street basically from... Yeah, like it was pretty much... I was like on the outskirts of the college town. Oh, okay. You know? So, um, yeah, I, I made it an emphasis and I like I literally told myself like, hey, like these are my neighbors. I'm right. going to be here for the next four months. Yeah. I might as well get to know these guys. Yeah. So I would tell them, you know, hey, where, where, where's the, where do you get your groceries from? Where's, you know, where do you get your produce from? You know, where's the, what kind of chicken should I buy? Because I'll tell you what, dude, grocery shopping in a different state is 
fucking nuts. Really? Dude, we think we have everything that we need here. There is so much more, dude. Really? Uh, there, there's a store called a High V. Mm-hmm. It's literally like a Walmart, a Sam's Club, and a Costco in in one. Whoa. <laughs> it is the most insane shit ever. And their produce was great. Like, great, dude. I'm telling you. Like, man. I, uh, so, like, I, I made it an emphasis to, like, integrate with my little block of a community. And um, I got so good at it that one time I was, and this was when I was in Iowa, I, uh, I Airbnb'd at some some dude's house in a, in Coralville, Iowa, and uh, we were working in Iowa City, which is like a 20-minute drive from, mm-hmm. from uh, Coralville. And um, it got to the point where, like, me and him hit it off so good. Like, we just, we became friends, but he was significantly older than me. Yeah. But we just, we just clicked. Right. And it was, uh, he literally, he told me, he's like, hey, why don't I, uh, why don't I take this listing off of Airbnb? And then I, he's like, so I don't get taxed on it because you know how they do that 20% Oh, tax. yeah. It's like, the, it's so Airbnb takes the money and then yeah, yeah. So he's like, part of it. And he's like, I'll, I'll take, he's like, I'll take 20 off of your, uh, your final cost. And that way I save the 20%. He's like, it's a win-win. Right. Yeah. Less Dude. paperwork, less everything. It's exactly. Just- <laughs> I'm just living there. And like, I, and it was really sketchy for me first because I thought like, this is crazy. Like, why don't we just do it through the app? Right. But, yeah. But like upon like telling him my story, like, oh, cause you know, you talk to the guy, oh, right, what are yeah. you guys here for? And, oh, we're here for work. You know, we're working on the cell phone towers in Iowa city, blah, blah, blah. We're going to be doing the, I think we were doing the, uh, the girls dorm at that point. Um, but yeah, we, you know, we told him that we're tower climbers, we're stuff and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, I had some oil frackers come here oh, wow. <laughs> a, a while back. And he's like, yeah, why don't we just do this? Why don't I just take it off the listing? And then you could just give me instead of 1200, just give me you know, a grand and then we'll, we'll settle it even. Sounds good. I mean, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> I mean, let's do it. I, I got the money right now. Let's do it. That's cool. Yeah. But like just integrating with people that you don't know is yeah. it, it's a huge mind opener because mm-hmm. you get to meet these people and like the way that they live their lives like we think we have a good a good idea on like how people are because yeah, like how people operate basically because we've seen a lot of people in Illinois mm-hmm. you know we yeah it's one of the biggest traffic areas of the world exactly. because of Chicago and whatnot we, we go to the city and we like people watch and stuff like right, that and yeah. we think we have it down pat about how like people are and you go to a different state and you, you know, like you people watch it's it's completely eye opening because it's just a, a different caliber of people right you know like it's these people aren't living in a bustling city they're living in a city that's like half the size of Schaumburg right yeah and it's it's <laughs> a all a couple thousand town. people <laughs> yeah like it's crazy and um like these people know each other just because it's a they, city of like eight hundred people. They've lived down the street from each other for all their lives, basically. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's so crazy because like you get to know one neighbor, and then the one neighbor will start telling you rumors about the other neighbor. <laughs> you know, oh, was, oh, blah blah blah, doesn't do this and that, and oh, he works. Did, did you hear about what he did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the, they'll just like start spitting rumors because like you know like you're the new person in town. They got to vent something yeah. out. And then like they know you're gonna be gone in a couple months, so it doesn't matter about yeah, overall. yeah. But then the, the the best part is is like a week down the road, like you meet the person that they were rumoring about, and you're like, you know, like they weren't 
that far off with the rumors. Like, this is exactly what I expected of them from they, what they told me. They may have juiced it up a little bit. To kind yeah, of like, but, you know, like, still the on, same weirdo. Uh, on average, he's like, yeah, he's just kind of strange. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, it, it was just, it That's was so funny. So awesome to see how people integrate in, in small communities like yeah. that because they really do take care of each other. That's neat. Yeah, I mean, you don't really see that a lot, you know, especially around here. Like, it's weird because we don't really. I mean, I, I know my neighbors just because I've lived here for long enough, but in general, we really don't interact. Like, you say hi and yeah. whatnot, but, like, for the most part, it's mostly just, eh, you know? It's mm-hmm. not really a thing. And I think it's a little it's a little disappointing, and I wish there would be, like, this more kind of community thing sometimes, you know? Part of me thinks, too, sometimes that it would be amazing. Like, I always think, this has kind of been a recent idea, is, like, one day we all have, like, this place where we're like, bro, I'm going to move here, and then we all, like, live on the same block. You know, <laughs> I've actually had a dream like that. You know, yeah, we all just like move to somewhere. We're like, yeah, we're gonna take over this little block and yeah, we'll all do yeah. our own little things. And but you know, you know, one day we'll have all of our kids like be friends because we all live on the same street yeah, or something. Right. And we just like, you know, it's this weird whimsical thing. But I just think that would be such a really like interesting, you know, kind of dynamic because um, kind of just going into our like our little story since like we kind of opened with. Um, how we've been all friends for a very long time, at least on yeah. a, like on average, at least a decade, right? Yeah, like you know, on average, we're we're going on ten years at least for the majority of our group, and and to to kind of like think about that and put it in perspective is majority of people become friends in like college, right? And then like the people we meet in high school and stuff, you drift apart mm-hmm. after after that because you go to different schools or whatever, but. It, it, it literally feels like no matter how far away people get or or whatever, it's like when people come back or, like, people drop into, like, we use Discord now to, like, talk a whole bunch yeah. with our group of friends. It's just like they never left, you know? It's just like, hey, man, long time no see. How's it going? This kind of thing. And it just it's just crazy to me that, like, this bond of friendship that we have is, like, it doesn't die. You know, no matter how much, yeah, how long it's been, or how you know what you know, girl gets in the way or something like that, yeah, like, yeah, no, like whatever it is, it's just it's just a really <clears throat> interesting dynamic to to have, and I really think it's su- like really special in general. Yeah, at every time I tell an outside person about our friend group, mm-hmm. I literally describe us as brothers by bond, not by blood. Yeah, yeah, because that's sure. literally what we are. We're a close, tight knit group of friends. We can go wherever the hell we want. Like, I disappeared for three, almost two and a half, three years. Mm-hmm. Came back, and now I'm living here and working here, and now it's like, pfft, we started up back again. Like, like we never left. Right, yeah. I mean, and it doesn't even matter, like, how busy we get. Like, we're all getting busier and busier for different reasons or whatever. Yeah, and I, but, I feel like us as a group, like, we, us being those misfits and, you know, like, hanging out with each other for so long, like, we all had an idea of where everybody's going to branch out. right. You know, so like none of us, none of us have gotten mad at each other. Like, oh, you haven't talked to me in X amount of time. Yeah, like, we've never been blah, like that blah, blah, either. Blah. Like, never, never. We've always just been like, oh, hey, how you been, dude? Like, how's college? How's, how's right, work? Yeah. How's, how's the job? Like, no matter how long it's been, it's always like, dude, I'm so glad you cut. Like, I'm like haven't talked to you in fucking forever, dude. Yeah, like, what's like, up? Let's, like, you want to grab a beer? Let's go. Yeah, yeah <laughs> dude, it's, And that's honestly like, that's very hard to find nowadays. Oh, my God. I mean, just the authenticity of it, too, because like, I mean, you know, thinking back, not going into too much detail, but when we would have those long, long days chilling mm-hmm. in the backyards, you know, during bonfires or whatever we'd have, you know, if you're listening, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like, like it's just when you when you think about those moments, because I think us as guys, we, we put we, we try to like shield ourselves like we're afraid to be 
too open for certain for other one reason or another you know there's only certain things you can you know let your true feelings out in certain ways like to, to people like your mom or something like that but right you know we've had those mo- moments where we are like are, are specifically vulnerable to each other in in ways that we you know like we're there to help each other when we need it the most mm-hmm. and i think you know not to go into detail it's kind of like why you're here right now like <laughs> and it's just yeah. like <laughs> dude i i can honestly say too that i've never never ever felt about like holding my emotions back with you guys right because, yeah like i honestly like we're all brothers it's right not, yeah it's not I, I know i'm not the only one who feels like no that. you're like, definitely we not. are <laughs> we are a group of brothers like when i when people always say like who's your best friend kind of thing i'm like i oh, don't man that's fucking hard yeah you know yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have one <laughs> we have a squad like yeah. that's what we are you know like when we ever think about like you know when someone gets married like who's the best man kind of thing we're like Dude, like it doesn't matter who's going to be that one because yeah. it's going to be like every one of us is going to get the mic. At some yeah, point. exactly. Like <laughs> every that's so true. Yeah, it's like someone's going to have a funny story, and all three, all five of us are collectively be giggling in the corner because like yeah. <laughs> and then whoever's done with their story, and then they're, they're, someone's going to walk up to the podium drunk as hell. Hey, l- let me tell you about this one time. <laughs> You know, oh man! And honestly, I I expect that oh, at our weddings. Absolutely, I, expect that. I mean, just from our families in general, is this going to be a shit show? Let's yeah. just be real. <laughs> Being one hundred percent honest. <laughs> oh man, it's so good. So, anything else you want to add? Like, what do you, what do you think about the future holding for you? Where you where you wanted like things you want to dive into more besides the welding thing? Anything like that? Like, um, or anything like words of wisdom for people? If uh, there's people out there that. You know, I, I will touch on. Um, I'm actually my girlfriend's cousin is in the works of getting me a job as an environmental field technician. Oh, so nice. cleaning up hazmat mm-hmm. spills and, and all that stuff, like asbestos. Uh, oh, that's neat. Yeah, like stuff like that. Just like things that are not obsolete because of health reasons, and then exactly. you're trying to go go find those buildings or places that exactly. have exactly and the um, health concerns. I've actually I've done it in a extensive amount of research in that field just to see what I'm getting into mm-hmm. you know and I'm I'm diving into it heads first like nice, I, I feel like this is not w- exactly what I want to do because I, I do I do want to continue tower climbing but for right now I want to get you know situated I want to I want to have a common fair ground I want to have an apartment that I can come home to right yeah you build stuff. a platform basically for exactly. yourself exactly but um this uh environmental field technician is is basically like a step below that you know mm-hmm. it's it's not like settling for less but it's also not just taking a job because i need a job right yeah like I'm, it's I'm still actually, specific enough it's well specific slash technical enough that it's not just like yeah you're gonna you be know, working a minimum wages job for exactly and x amount of with little mobility the thing about me too is like i'm i'm blue collar all the way mm-hmm. you know like i i love getting my hands dirty i love working with my hands I love just, you know, coming home after a long day, right. kicking off the shoes, play some video games, have right. a beer, do whatever. You know, just just unwind. Yeah. But, so um, one, one thing I want to ask you real quick is, is just would you ever consider trying to do like a, like a legitimate trade? Like you're saying like welding or something like would you legitimately just go find like a, like a welding shop or a machine shop of some sort and just just be like, hey, I want to learn. Like just walk in the door and just be like. I've had the thought. Like, would you? I've, because, I've, like, because if you want, crossed my mind. Because you want to just learn. Like, there's places. Out, I'm guarantee you, there's places out there would just love to take someone and just turn it. Try to just do it like like an old school apprenticeship, where you just yeah. walk in and be like, "I want to do this. I don't really feel like school is the right way for me to learn it." You know, I'll just shadow people, right? You know, like 
Even if it, you don't get paid for it right away, right? Yeah, no, I was. You know, yeah, like, that's, that thought I, has crossed my mind. To a me, bunch I just think times. that's really like, cool. I'll take a pay cut as long as you give me knowledge. Right. Yeah. To me, that's a fair trade. Absolutely. Like I just think nowadays, like it's such just a lost art. Like if you think like Mike Rowe from Dirty Jobs, the host, mm-hmm. he, he's like a huge proponent for like trade skills and, and stuff like that. Like yeah. he, he talks about it all the time, and he he's kind of like one of those guys that I I, lo- I looked up to because he because of the way he talks about you know learning things like that. Absolutely. Because you know. On Joe Rogan's podcast recently, they had, of course, I, every freaking podcast, I always mention him. I need to stop. <laughs> <laughs> I, was gonna, I told myself I was going to mention him, but... Hey, he, you get your inspiration from somewhere, I right? know. You know, him and him and Tim Ferriss and Cal Fussman, there's, there's, a, there's a group of mentors that, for me, like, this is a different tangent, but, like, you know, the word mentor, you know, a lot of people think mentoring is, like, one-on-one. Like, you have to meet this person to be your mentor. And sure, I have those kind of figures in my life, but I think... These, these people that are in the podcasting world, I, I really feel because of the, the nuanced conversational aspect of like, even though they're the host and the their viewpoints aren't really what matters in each episode, when you wa- listen to like a hundred of them, their viewpoint is, you know, stitched together little by little and you mm-hmm. kind of like figure out who they are kind of like at the core of their being. Right. And you, even though you've not, you've never had that conversation with them, you kind of, you pick up something on them and something resonates in some way. Otherwise you wouldn't continue to listen to them or absolutely feel like you have value from it and i just feel like you know when the more i listen to certain podcasters i'm just getting into this you know i have like you know the the, like this mentor group in a way of like kind of navigating the world from like people who are experienced and stuff like you know cal is is like 50 and was a writer reporter stuff like that and then rogan is over there being like the kind of like the wizened you know guy that kind of breaks the stereotypes in some ways and then tim ferris is the analytical like examines everything to the nth degree and you know self-experimentator so like i have like these three you know trifecta of things and then like there's a few other ones here and there but you know i I just think like he had a musashi Mamousy Fire Arts. So he was a a blacksmith, a self-trained blacksmith. He he was like down on his luck. He kind of like didn't have a job, and he's like, man, I don't know what the hell I want to do. And then he like someone he knew got, was like, hey, I know this guy. He's a blacksmith, and he's like, he's looking for some help. He's like, maybe I can like set something up. And he like, you know, somehow got into it, and then like, yeah, now he owns his own shop, and like he's so booked up, he can't take another order for three years. Jesus. Like, and he just makes these amazing blades. Like, they're just so, like, I don't know. Like, Rogan has this, you know, this fascination for, like, handcrafted things, too. And I just, I just find people who can take craft in any form of the craft, like that word. Like, that's such a crazy, you know, nuanced word. Yeah. You know, when you can take something and you can make it with your own hands, I just think there's just this lost beauty in it, right? There like, is like there's a like there's a certain point where you know everything you have now is like mass produced and people, you know everything's quick everything's social media fied you know you get everything is McDonald's you know mm-hmm. like yeah. you, you yes. can go buy the supermarket knife or you can spend a little bit more and get this knife that's made from you know like a special type of metal with like an elk antler or something in the handle something right. crazy right and I just think when you dedicate yourself even just for like a couple years of that is is so valuable because it gives you. A, a certain level of appreciation for the things we use on a daily basis, right? Absolutely. So, like, streamlining off that is um, when we would build sites, mm-hmm. you know, it would it would compromise itself off of a boom, which is the metal arm that holds the antennas. Right. And then, depending on if it was a high-priority site, let's just say it was a normal site. Um, normal site has two antennas and for each sector, and there's three sectors, alpha, beta, and gamma. 
and then there's two antennas for each sector and two in, uh, two radios for each antenna. Okay. So building that from the ground up gave me a sense of a huge, huge sense of accomplishment. Absolutely. Because not only was I providing people with cell phone service, mm-hmm. um, which by the way, I, uh, like me, when I said that I started in Iowa mm-hmm. and I worked for that whole full year, like we literally set up the whole state. And this is one of my, <laughs> this is a milestone. I, I declared a milestone in my life is that I literally set up the whole state of Iowa from east to west with mm-hmm. cell phone service. I touched on at least, at least 45 cities in Iowa. That's a huge deal for me. And That's amazing. To, to actually build these sites with my bare hands yeah. and get them up and running like with me and my crew and and the help of my peers right it it established a huge huge connection in me that right like you know like i did that right like yeah. i can i can drive through iowa and literally from north to south east to west i can probably pinpoint a cell site that i've been on yeah that's that's super legit i mean i think people too nowadays like I think people are afraid, not necessarily afraid, but, like, people don't get, are able to get the satisfaction of seeing something to the end, right, in any way. Like, you can go buy something from the store. Like, people don't, like, cook their own meals. Like, yeah. it's finding, like, I don't know, this is another thing that I've been thinking about a lot of times is, like, like everything, everyone wants something efficient, right? Everyone wants mm-hmm. it now, like, today or, you know, little info, little as input as possible to get results, right? Right. And so, you know... You can only increase efficiency to a point, and then part of me is like, okay, take the stuff that you don't need to make them as efficient as possible so you're not wasting time, right? But then there's certain things you need to do and add to your routine that give you fulfillment but are not efficient in their own right, right? So, like, working out. You could make it efficient, but if you don't, like, if you enjoy the process of it, then you should do, you know, spend as much time immersing yourself in it as possible, right? Absolutely. And so, like, to me, like, when you when you talk about, like, you're building a site and something like that, that's like seeing something built with your own hands or with your team, and you're seeing it, you know, from start to finish multiple times over, and you're able to get this huge rewarding thing about it because it's something that's hidden from the normal view, right? You know, you grab your phone. I was going to try to grab my phone, but it's over behind me. <laughs> like, you grab your phone, you look, and you see signal, right? It's just there all the time forever unless you're in my black hole basement. <laughs> but, but, like, you know, when you when you get that feeling, you're just like, damn, I'm, like, part of something. You know, when you feel, yeah, like, it's... that connection to something greater than yourself or just even not even to greater than yourself, too, is it's, like, completing something, saying, like, here's the job, here's the goal, it's going to get done. And then getting it done or just getting progress on it getting done is just really rewarding. Like, I was just working on my uh, senior design project, and it just started. But I was, like, doing some sensor work, like, trying to figure out, like, how the sensor was going to work to mm-hmm. be able to put it in the software. And I was like, okay, I kind of figure out how it's correlating the, the output to the input, like, flow rate. This is a water sensor. And then I was like, okay, since I know what it's supposed to be, like, outputting at this particular flow, if I just turn it on to this output does it actually give me that flow, right? It's a simple test, mm-hmm. right? But like, I just did the preliminary work to see if that worked, and then I was like, okay, does it work? And then I just set it to that voltage, the, the output setting as a preliminary, and I'm like, it works. Like, I got really excited. Like, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm like, cool. I, like, I'm doing it right. Like, like You did that. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm like, no one told me how to do it. I didn't watch a YouTube video. I just Absolutely. read the instructions, and I just kind of figured it out. Like, I think part of, like, you know, and I'm going to say it again, too, is, like, feeding curiosity as a, as a as a platform is as much as my own, like, curiosity, but it's, like, the curiosity of everybody, 
right? Like, yeah, I want, it's, like, your curiosity, like, you you already told me you want to do, like, welding and things like that. Like, that's freaking amazing, you know? Or you like climbing. Like, you're, like there's so many things that people out there, like, they don't view them as curiosities. They just view them as hobbies or these little things they're interested in. But anything that, like, drives you, like, for me, it just feels like everything that drives you to, like, like one thing or another, mm-hmm. you can go and build that into something else you know like there's there's something that connects tangentially to it in some way like because you like climbing got you into tower climbing right, to, right. you got paid to climb then right yeah, you know <laughs> got paid to do what i love do they you you love what you work uh, you love what you do you don't get to do work a day in your life right exactly and you i just know? think that if people like, had this like intrinsic like curiosity about the things they do and how like it how it adds value to their own lives rather than just looking like oh i just got to you know grind through this yeah like if you That's, just looked at it in a way that you could like enjoy it even just a little bit more and get value in, in your your own way like i just think it's like i don't know the joy of it, right? Just yeah, do it for the. <laughs> it's it really is just for doing it for yourself. Yeah, and it, like once you once you do it for yourself. Yeah, exactly. And not as like a job, like I need to get this done, or else my boss is going to be. Or I'm my doing house. it for a paycheck or something like that. Yeah, or whatever. Like, like once you actually have an interest in what you're doing, it you look at it a whole different way. Right, a whole different way, and um, it pulls the rain cloud off of it, kind of. Right? It really does. <laughs> it really does, and. Like, especially because, like, I was so I was working on Sprint technology for the longest, right? Mm-hmm. And I have AT&T cell phone service myself. Mm-hmm. Um, just working on Sprint when I started, I was like, oh, you know, like, just just as a joke, I would always tell people, like, oh, I'm doing this fucking work and I'm not even using it. You know, yeah, like, what it, the fuck? We're just being cheeky about it, really. Right, right. <laughs> and then um, I actually happened to say that to my boss, and he shut me down so quick. He goes... Who gives a fuck if you're not using it? He goes, this is lease space, number one. We're getting paid to do this job, number two. And number three, this cell phone site is re- is responsible for at least 35,000 people. Wow. This goes, this is a span of seven miles, you know? Like, this is the yeah. next 10 or 15 cities in mm-hmm. that radius. Like, you're giving people cell phone service. And um, we, we did these things called uh, night cuts, mm-hmm. where um, when I was working ground for a, lo- for a while... We would do night cuts because we would have to uh, exchange the cabinets mm-hmm. on the on the cell phone site. And basically, how it goes is the cabinets on the ground talk to these uh, the antennas up top. Yeah. And then the radios amplify the signal so that it can stretch. Yeah. Um. So when we were doing night cuts, we would have to switch out the cabinets, and we would have to shut the whole site down. Right. Which is a huge deal, only because of nine one one services. Oh, right. That, I would not have thought of that, so but that night, makes a lot of sense. So night cuts would only happen after 12 p.m., and if we didn't get the job done between 5 a.m., we're in huge trouble. Right, yeah. Um, so there was uh, that was that was in a, a time where, like, you know, like, yeah, it's a job. Yeah, we're having fun, but this shit needs to get done. Well, yeah, but that... that and it he, needs to get done right. I feel like that infor- reinforces your sense of purpose because then you're, like, intrinsically related to the people who are saving people's lives, right? That's exactly like, what I was just about to say. <laughs> is that, like, you know, like, fuck these 35,000 people. Like, what if somebody's getting stabbed? Just one know, person, like right? five in the morning. Yeah. yeah, like, just... That's all it takes is one person. That's and crazy. For us to get that job done as fast as possible... With it's like a badge of honor. With precision, right? <laughs> yeah, it really, it really was, and that's that's how I that's how I looked at it. Is it really was a badge of honor to, and uh, there was one time actually I was working in, Os- Osceola, Iowa, 
Man, you are really good to remember these places, man. Oh, dude. I, <laughs> I, if I could remember the... If, if there weren't so many numbers, I could remember the, the site numbers as well. But um, we were working in Osceola, and we did a night cut, and we ended up turning on the site like within our, our time frame. But then a radio went off, and there was Ooh. some visual alarm. It was because a cable up top, and we didn't climb up top because we were just working on the cabinets on the, on, on the night cut. Um, but when we installed the new cabinets, the new cabinets has told us that we have a visual alarm, which is a coaxial cable that's connected to the antenna, was either kinked, bent, or broken. Oh, wow. So when we turned the site on at 5 a.m., or before that, whatever time we turned it on, uh, we had the visual alarm, and none of us at that point knew what a visual alarm yeah. was. So from the time that we turned the site on until like 7 a.m., where you know the actual integration text would be online and stuff, uh, we had to figure it out for ourselves. Wow. We had no clue that we thought it was, it was with the cabinet. So we right. were rewiring and terminating everything with precision and accuracy and like we we thought that we had it down pat and we did but it turns out that the problem was up top wow so when we got that call in the morning um it we kind of looked stupid because we're like what's a visual alarm we don't know what the fuck that is right yeah and they're like well it's your job and <laughs> you need to climb that tower do you have any uh climbers available and we're like actually yeah we're all climbers so <laughs> so we got up there and it ended up just being that we needed to switch out the coaxial cable uh so Simple we did fix, but not something you're ready to Handle, yeah, or at exactly. Least used to handle. Well, it. we were ready to handle it, but we just never did. Yeah, it's so we didn't not, know. It's what outside it was. of the realm of yeah. possibility, I guess. Yeah, and so once we got that call and and the tech talked us through it, we were like, "Holy shit! Like, that's easy. <laughs> we just need to climb up and connect a new yeah. coaxial uh, coaxial cable." So we did that, and then um, we uh, we sweep the line to see if it's number one, if the line that we're installing is good. Yeah. And um, then we installed the line, and it for sure it fired up the site. And uh, we were there from, like, 12, 12 midnight till, like, almost 9, 10 in the morning. Oh, my God. Yeah. And, um, it's a long so day. So then a, a cop was driving by, and he stopped by the site, and he goes, hey, I just wanted to let you know that I've been on, I've been working through the night, and I haven't been able to get a a single phone call off like what's the deal with that you know that's a big deal blah 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 and we're like yes oh yeah that's that's a huge deal uh, and we, we've been working on it <laughs> right yeah and, and we, we told them like hey listen you know Sprint gave us the, the go to to shut the site down that's why you haven't had cell phone service and he goes oh oh so that that's up to Sprint that's not up to you guys and we're like absolutely like <laughs> you have to know officer that this is responsible for a seven mile radius yeah. of cities and like that opened his mind. He was like, "Holy shit! I just, I just figured that's why you have a bunch of cell phone sites everywhere so they can talk to each other." And we're like, "No, this is this is for coverage, not like talking to each yeah. other." And um, so once we explained that to him, he was he was like, "Oh wow, that's very interesting." And he actually sat and talked with us for like a good hour and a half, maybe oh two God. hours, about just like what we were doing and like how it affects the uh, the signal and blah blah blah, yeah. stuff like that. And um, so he was, he was like, he's like the whole, the whole night I've been radio silent. I've been thinking that, you know, my, maybe my headquarters is messed up or something like that and blah, blah, blah. And we're like, wait, it affected your radio too. And he's like, yeah, I'm on a CV radio and blah, blah, blah. And we're like, oh, okay. huh. 
Turns out that there were CV antennas on that on that radio tower. Oh, and that particular tower had CV yeah, too. Yeah, CV oh, antennas. Man. We didn't, and they're so small, dude. They're like tiny, like stick figure antennas. Oh, really? You would never even guess. We would never even guess them. Got it. And like, and we, you know, we told them, oh yeah, it's because we shut down the site that your CV weren't on. Wow. And then um, he was actually he actually made a joke. He uh, he said something about using a ham radio because it's analog. Yeah, exactly. And, he's, and he was an he was a rather old officer. Yeah. So he's like he's like I remember back when we had analog and blah blah, blah <laughs> ham radios this and that and we're like ah. Oh, you should see like, the ham radios now, man. You, you could, they're pretty crazy. Like you, you like there are certain ones you can you can buy like you can basically log into a website on the computer and it basically you 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 phantom control. Like a an FM radio station, like a ham radio, like a big booster. No way. And you can bounce your shit off of the ionosphere and talk all anywhere across the world. And you just pay by like the minute or whatever it is. That's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. But that's from uh, my professors over at Harper. They they love ham radio and they've mm. done it. You know that's how they became engineers because they started with ham radio and learned it themselves yeah. first. You know, kind of circling back, kind of circling back on what you were yeah. from the beginning. Well, brother, it's already been an hour. <laughs> Look at that I know So First podcast What do you think man? Wrap me up dude It was very interesting <laughs> uh, I'm glad I came on I, uh, I know I'm so glad I was able to break you off The heebie jeebies That wanted to come on finally <laughs> Yeah 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 I got to talk for more than 10 minutes dude Like <laughs> I know That's my point Like I feel like This is like My thing is, is I love people Like I love getting people In their own element You know And I just Yeah that's <laughs> To get there To find the thing that they want to talk about and just you know, super just comfortable sit here. and just, just go. <laughs> just let them go. Like, don't interrupt. Just kind of like, oh, wow. That's yeah. Awesome. Like, I feel like I learned so much. Well, everyone, I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did because this is fucking fun. Um, to be continued as per usual. See y'all next time. See y'all next time. You just listened to an episode of Feeding Curiosity. Thank you all for listening and tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a like, subscribe, go check out the website over at feedingcuriosity.net and all the other things that we're doing there. And once again, thank you all for tuning in and we will see you in the next episode.